and I didn't exactly understand what it was, I'll be honest. Um, but I was excited. I've worked with Alameda Health System. I work with Dr. Andrew Herring, who runs the Bridge Clinic, which is wanting to be part of this thing that is called a health center, but isn't actually a physical center, which is confusing to me at first. So I'm, I'm starting to get the picture. Um, and I'm just, I live in Oakland. I have always done statewide work. And so I'm really happy to like do something more local and figure out how I can make a difference for Oakland. Um, we've got a couple people on the call. Would we like to ask them to also introduce themselves? So, Elizabeth, would I can you like go to first. Thank you. Yeah, I can go. Um, my name is Elizabeth Nyman. I am uh, substituting for my manager, Grace Messina, today. Uh, we're part of financial planning and analysis, and we will be doing the financial report. Thank you, Elsa Bob. How about you, Tangerine? Uh, good evening. My name is Tangerine Brigham. I'm the Chief Administrative Officer, and I oversee population health. And I will be here talking um, after Elsa specifically regarding the quality improvement program metrics. Thank you so much, Tangerine. And we also have Lucy, Lucy Kasdan. Hi, good evening, everybody. My name is Lucy Kazan, and I'm the director of Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program. Happy to be here tonight. There's a few people who can't be with us here tonight, so just uh, important to mention. Um, Loretta, who is your chair, is in New York tonight, and then David Francis, who is the medical director of the program, is on spring break, and will be back with us next month. Um, we also have some support. Mensa is here. He helps us with our technology. That's why you guys over there sometimes <laughs> trying to not be noticed. And then um, you guys also have met Brenda and work with Brenda a lot. She is your master coordinator. Uh, and she will call you as often as you need to be called um, and will also help you to get things like parking passes and ID badges and iPads and whatever else is needed um, to help facilitate your participation. The main thing we are working towards is everybody being able to participate. Um, it's really important to us to have community members and especially patients participate in the cab. So if you're ever having trouble participating, please let us know because we want to help to ease that for you so that you can stay with us and be a part of this process. So, we're done with introductions. Next up is Health Center Overview. Yeah, so we had so many new folks. We thought we would do an overview. And um, thanks so much, Serena, for, you know, for just diving in with feeling like I don't even really know what this is. But all right, here we go. Um, so what is, so you were part of the um, Alameda County Homeless Health Center. And uh, as part of something called the Community Health Centers. Sometimes we refer, refer to these as FQHCs, Federally Qualified Health Centers, and they are to provide primary care services in underserved areas that meet stringent sets of requirements, including providing care on a sliding fee scale, based on ability to pay, and operating under a governing board that includes patients, and that is you. You are the governing board that includes patients. And this is part of the Health Resources and Services Administration Commonly, you'll hear us refer to it as HRSA, so we just kind of sound it out. And there's a compliance manual 
available online at any time if you want to read it all. Those are all the requirements that we have to function by. Um, because we get funding from the HRSA grant, that makes us eligible to be a federally qualified health center. So that gives us our status. Federally qualified health center essentially then means that it's a billing process by which we build the state for um, Medi-Cal for enhanced higher rates of Medi-Cal payments. Hi, Derek. Um, we have renewable grant dollars that we get um, through the Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless program. So Lucy introduced herself. She's the director of that program. And so they pass money on. They're the recipients of the grant dollars. They pass that money on to us. It's really important to remember kind of where the community health center came from. And it came from a place where um, underserved populations were not being served. Um, there's a lack of equity there. And one of the primary reasons that uh, it includes a more than 50% patient majority is to ensure that there's equity in the governance of the health center and in the services that are being administered that are um, provided by the government. So it really comes out of the civil rights movement. And it's important to you know, remember that that's why we're here. And it's important to continue to um, have strong representation by patients now, I will say that our homeless health center is pretty complicated, and so we have a big thing called the Alameda County Homeless Health Center, and that really comes from the Alameda County Healthcare from the Homeless Program through Lucy. So I'm going to point at Lucy a lot today, as you say. So they hold the program in its in its kind of big picture form, and we are a subrecipient of that. Alameda County Homeless Health Center includes that they have a commission that is a governing body for, for their system. And as a subrecipient, we're required to have a governing body for ours as well. And each of these agencies as public agencies have something called a co-applicant agreement. That's why we refer to you often as the CAB, right? There's this co-applicant agreement. And our co-applicant agreement is with the Alameda Health System Board of Trustees because the Board of Trustees governs Alameda Health System. Um, the Board of Supervisors governs Alameda County. So the Homeless Commission has a co-applicant agreement with the Board of Trustees. Alameda Health System, our CAB, has a co-applicant agreement with the Board of Trustees. Did I say supervisors and trustees? Did I mix them up at all? Because I feel like they're both coming out of my mouth a few too many times. <laughs> Okay, so county and supervisors, Alameda Health System and trustees. Um, you know, our county board of supervisors, they're, they're elected officials. The board of trustees is not. They're not elected officials. They're appointed by the county board of supervisors. And there's rules around our governing body which say that for HRSA FQHC governance, they need to be appointed by their board members. So the whole idea is they can't be appointed by the Board of Supervisors. They can't be appointed by the Board of Trustees, except for the first time we establish ourselves. But after that, you all are in charge of who that membership is. And that really is to protect it and make sure that patients continue to get a voice and that you're not gonna have some ulterior agenda by some other governing body. Does that make sense? I know it's a lot, okay? And I know this is a really complicated org chart that you could probably spend many hours on. Um, once you get into Alameda Health System and we have our homeless health center, um, you know, it is kind of a virtual space. There's no single place where you go for our homeless health 
when a patient experiencing homelessness comes into any one of our clinics that is a federally qualified health center. And for us, that means, I'm going to start from the south, Newark Wellness Center, Hayward Wellness Center, Eastmont Wellness Center, and then we get up here to Highland, and we have our Highland Wellness Center, our specialty clinics, our dental clinic here, and our bridge clinic that was newly added on. We also have a mobile clinic, which is in the Homeless Coordination Office Department, and it's actually a, we call it a Department of Eastmont, so it's, but it, it's really close to home because it exclusively serves, or, or almost exclusively serves patients experiencing homelessness. It goes out into the community and serves patients at shelters and other sites to really make sure that we're serving patients experiencing homelessness. You'll see a little bit of data here around, you know, in 2022, the Homeless Health Center, this includes the county and all of their grantees, plus Alameda Health System served um, 8,144 homeless patients with 62,592 visits. And then you can see that specifically Alameda Health System, this is in the lower left-hand corner, had 3,562 um, 3, patients of those 8,000 seen above, um, and 15,000 767 visits. This is what we reported in our annual report um, that has some great uh, initials, the UDS report, the Uniform Data System report. Um, that's something that you'll hear about, about um, annually. And generally what this represents is about 10%, 6 to 10% of ambulatory care services at Alameda Health System. So, you know, you walk into um, Highland Wellness Center and you're going to see all patients are being served there, including patients experiencing homelessness. And so it's only the homeless health center when that patient experiencing homelessness is there, but it really impacts all of the ambulatory. And so we want to make sure that all of the ambulatory is able to serve our patients experiencing homelessness well. Absolutely. Do those wellness centers like Highland and Eastmont and Hayward, do they have a different 330 grant? No, it's all the same this grant. Only the it's one grant. Alameda Health System gets the grant as a subrecipient, and then um, they are all part of it. And so they're listed. We have um, there's a 5A and a 5B form where we list all of the sites. Um, and, and when I say we, in this case, again, the county is managing putting all of those sites on. And so newly, we added a site, and that site that we added was the Bridge Clinic. So all of the sites are listed, and it's all from the one grant. So this just describes our ambulatory care services and our primary leaders. We've got Dr. Portia Mack as our Associate Chief Medical Officer, and you met Terrence this evening as well, our brand new Chief Administrative Officer. Um, and then... The, all of the homeless health center includes both our primary care services and a lot of specialty care services as well. Some of those specialty services are only here in Highland, and some of them are also found at Eastmont, Hayward, or Newark. Um, so they're, they're spread out in the system. So a lot of times we're talking about our scope. What are those things at Alameda Health System? So now you get into Alameda Health System. It's a very large organization. It's not just us with ambulatory care. This is why there's a co-applicant agreement. There's a lot more going on at Alameda Health System than just the homeless health center. And so inpatient care is not part of our scope. So patients staying in the hospital at Highland, at San Leandro, and at Alameda, that's not part of our scope. But, but we do know that patients experiencing homelessness are seen in those settings a lot of times. We care about them a lot. 
again, that's outside of our governance. We do not have governing authority over any of those spaces, including not at Fairmont and not at John George Psychiatric Hospital. So all of those are outside our scope. The emergency department is outside of our scope. Um, laboratory, imaging, outpatient rehab and surgery, those are also all outside of our scope. And in our scope, we have our ambulatory clinics. This is where we get our primary care clinics, our pediatric clinics, our, um, our dental clinic, our rheumatology clinic, you know, all of the specialty clinics, the, the places where people come for the day to see their doctor or for their one appointment, their 20 minute appointment, and then they go. That's our scope. Uh, we've also got the bridge clinic and we also call out mobile health clinic because those are really special places that have a higher proportion of patients experiencing homelessness using their services regularly. Um, you see that in our UDS report recently, so, um, or actually, I'm sorry, I misspoke. So what I have down there on the bottom is our current sub-recipient agreement with Alameda County. So it is a two-year grant period started at January 1st, 2023. It's going to go through December 31st of 2024. And it's for, um, you know, $1.7 million. Those are the dollars that the county, from their grants that they receive, they give to us to administer um, and provide specific services. We, and probably most of them go towards the mobile clinic and maintaining the mobile clinic. Um, and we'll get into various times when we talk a lot about that specific agreement and what those dollars are being used for. This year, there's quite a bit of capital. You see that $284,000, that's all capital expense. And a lot of that's gonna to go towards Eastmont expansion. We've been talking about that recently. That includes a dental expansion. So adult dental care is gonna move over to, um, it's gonna grow into Eastmont as well as some optometry and ophthalmology. And so some of those dollars, this does not cover how much that expansion costs. This is a little drop in the bucket, but thank you very much Alameda County for providing that to help make that happen. Um, but mostly what's coming out of um, this or what we're using that money for is for the mobile health and when it says partially, which means that there are additional expenses outside of the grant dollars that also support mobile health. And the same thing with the homeless coordination office. There are dollars that are used from the subrecipient agreement and also Alameda Health System funds that as well through their operating expenses. So the 1.6, or I should say the 1.7 is covering some of the expenses from those two programs and not all of them, and then also covering other expenses within our system this year. Um, some of those funds are one-time funds as well. So those capital expenses are one-time funds and there are some things that were specifically related to kind of COVID recovery that are one-time funds that we're getting in this contract period as well. All right, uh, just a little repeat. Here's my, my, my UDS report numbers from, from this last year, uh, from 2022. It's on a calendar year, which sometimes confuses things. But again, there's those 15,000 visits. There's our 3,500 unduplicated patients. What that represents is within ambulatory about 68 FTE. Now we did some acronyms recently. Does anybody remember what FTE stands for? That's all right, I'll remind you. A full-time equivalent, that just means like 68 staff. And the reality is when we're looking at those 68 staff, a lot of times they're like one-tenth of a staff because again, that doctor is seeing 100 patients experiencing homelessness and 900 patients not experiencing homelessness. So we account for just a little part of that. The, the good part, the happy brain, the best serving patient part. 
Um, the cost of this program is roughly $10.35 million. There's revenue that comes in from, from those services that we're providing um, through their Medi-Cal, Medicare, and other insurance. Um, and that represents about $4 million. And then you've got this $5 million. Oh, yeah, we're still there. A $5 million that's non-patient revenue that's allocated to our program. And this is coming from things like Measure A, Health Pack, other grants. You're going to hear um, Tangerine today talk about QIP. You're going to get um, some insight into our most recent financial statements. And you'll see some of these dollars allocated to our homeless health center. All right, there's a quick, um, you know, just like, again, where are we providing these services? And it just has our address and kind of our hours that you can review. These are all of our clinics. And some details there. You have governing authority over these hours of operation, for example. Um, this is part of your scope as the cab. Um, we do a little, you know, just a reminder that we have the mobile clinic. I'm realizing I need to do an update on some of those sites. Just know that is, uh, they're constantly changing, but these are some of the sites that we've been to in the past and generally when they're functioning. And actually, um, it, we've recently expanded to not just be medical, but also dental. And so lately, um, or, and coming soon, you're gonna hear more about dental expansion and mobile. Um, some of those dollars in our contract were about uh, a new dental van that is currently in, in its build phase, so it's being manufactured right now. We're expecting it to come to us. And I'm sorry for any updated dates that sound way off, but October now, um, and I know it keeps getting pushed back, but this is just how it works. Um, but that van we hope to have by October. Question? Yeah, sorry. Um, who picks the sites and why do they pick them? So we have a mobile health team and uh, we work with the county to select sites. And as I'm looking at these sites again, I did not update this slide. They recently are going through a pretty big transformation on how, which sites they're going to in an effort to serve patients um, in specific areas for a more focused set of time. And so there is actually a remodel happening right now of what sites they're going to. Um, they're focusing a lot on uh, community libraries right now, which I didn't even put on here, like I said, because I did not update this slide. I guess I had a question about it, because I see that it goes to Home Depot in Union City, and there is a large population of um, people that are facing housing insecurity there. But Our Lady of the Rosary in Union City actually has on Friday nights, all the homeless gather there and they give them food and their showers and everything. So you would hit more people. So I just wondered yeah. when do you review that and can you review that? Yeah, we actually do not go to that site anymore. So oh, yeah, this isn't, we don't. Oh, you don't so this is, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, full disclaimer, this was my 2019 presentation and I updated a lot of it and I missed out on updating my sites for my local team, so I apologize. Um, this is pre-pandemic sites. So once the pandemic hit, everything shifted. And so I would need to go and look online myself to, to like I said, right now they're focusing a lot on the libraries. They were going to the, um, the hotels that it opened specifically for people experiencing homelessness throughout the pandemic. So for the past three years, it's really been more of a focus on the hotels and the, um, the cabin sites in Oakland. So a lot of housing, temporary housing, supportive housing from the city and the counties opened up 
for the pandemic, and that's been our primary focus throughout the pandemic. Um, so pre-pandemic list, now we're in a pandemic list, and now we're going to have a, a post or remodel that's underway right now. Thank you for asking, and thank you for catching my my glaring lack of uh, updates. I would I was happy I you know grabbed the the, the Terrence and Portia part it was easy for me to grab because there were faces. But I was like, that's not our people. But the sites, I was skimming fast. I was working too fast. Um, so all patients are screened at registration uh, for their living arrangement and they're documented. Um, and look, see, this is uh, now I'm watching more errors. 2019, Epic hadn't gone live yet. Look at Sorian still up there. You guys, I'm so sorry. So this is all in Epic. So, so it's all in Epic now, and but, and we still did the same thing, but it's just in Epic. And that is our big overview. Any other questions about our homeless health center? We're going to be doing more orientation. So each time that we meet, uh, especially because we have so many new members, we're going to get back to basics. And what is it that we do? Why are we here? And how are we transforming? I mean, we've been in, um, you know, oh, we've been around for about four years now. And so we've gone from being a very new board, just like learning about Alameda Health System, to becoming more able to be empowered to make change and to govern and to get involved with um, the ambulatory system so that's kind of where we're going so you are an evolving ever evolving board and we appreciate that question yeah well prior to 2019 there was no they didn't have this grant we did have the grant so that's a great question so the grant has existed for quite a long time and the relationship with the county has as well the rules around governance changed from HRSA. So as a, as a homeless health center um, for people experiencing homelessness, governance had been waived. And it was, and this is where I'm going to lean on Lucy because she's probably going to remember better than I do. So I want to say it was 2017 or 16, 2016, where the rule changed and governance got started. And we did it as a combined governing body with Alameda Health System and Alameda County, where we had one body, and the county primarily managed that. We had a site visit from HRSA, and, and at that point, so we worked with HRSA to develop this kind of joint governing body. A site visit where a new group came back and they said, no, we need to break that up. You, got, you can't govern it together. And part of it was we were trying to govern it together because we had so many public entities. We had the Board of Supervisors and the Board of Trustees within our two agencies. It made governance really complicated. Um, but again, HRSA came back and just said, yep, well, y'all have to have two. <laughs> so so the Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program has theirs. They're called the Commission. Lucy, do you want to catch me on that date? I think that's exactly right. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a cold. I think that's exactly right, that it was during the visit, it was during the 2019 visit that was the visit where they said, no, you can no longer, they, they really made these significant shifts in kind of how um, <clears throat> healthcare for the homeless and AHS work together and including saying that that initial, as, as Heather was saying, 2016 governing board that was developed was not sufficient and that you all needed to develop your own. And then there are, um, 
own. And so that is where you all came in um, to being. So this is all, uh, you know, relatively new in, in that in the last, you know, seven plus years, really both boards have been have been created. Um, but but and so your board just in the last four years. Yeah. Yeah, when a person comes to tell you you're not doing it right, they give you a very short timeline with which to yeah. correct. Right, so when they do a site visit and they ask you to do a plan of correction, it was pretty quick. So that site visit was late 2018. We were launched by early 2019, and it was a, a pretty quick write all the rules, identify some people, and put it together. And we have a few people who are here from the beginning who help us do that. Uh, Richard B. and Mark, um, they were appointed by our board of trustees. We have a co-applicant agreement, um, some bylaws that are that are written up, and some foundational documents that we will be reviewing in a, another meeting coming soon. We don't want to overwhelm you with all of it all at once. So, one thing I would say or add to that is that as time goes on, you start to get familiar with the information that's being given. You'll kind of fall right in. But right now, it's probably not boring. Yes. I would recommend. Um, Brenda's out of the room, but um, she should definitely get one of these. I find it very, I find yes. it very helpful. Our acronym list is what he's referring to. Yes. And you brought it with you. Good, good work, Mark. Oh yeah. Helps me. Helps me in this material. Yeah, we use a lot of acronyms, and so please. Please stop us at any time if you see one that we're not familiar with. I really liked your acronym list because it actually explained the thing instead of just saying the words that make the acronym, which is what most acronym lists do. And you're like, well, that's nice, but I still have no idea what it is. <laughs> right, this, um, this is a tool that was actually developed by our human resources um, department. They have for new employees, and then I borrowed it and added some of our co-applicant board-specific stuff like the co-applicant board, the HRSA, FQHC, these things that we use a lot within our board. Excellent. Well, that concludes my presentation. Any other questions? Do you want me to go back to the... Um, you got it. All right. All right, moving on um, to meeting time, day, action item. Um, so basically, I am looking for approval to uh, have our CAD meeting start at 6 p.m. Um, can I entertain a motion to approve a start time for 6 p.m. for future CAD meetings? Um, I'm sorry, um, may I interrupt? Um, I, I was wondering if we could have a little discussion about it before we actually ask for a vote. Well, we can. If I'm not mistaken, we we will if we after we have a second, right? Or can we go ahead and proceed with having a discussion before the vote? We can have a discussion. We got a discussion before the vote. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, please. Okay. For me, this is not um, this is not uh, necessarily an issue to come here at six. Um, the question is is during that time, during that, at that very time to come here at six, um, is the traffic greater or lesser? That's number one question. And if, if so, if it's greater, um, uh, what does that do to our start 
crime moving forward if we adopt six o'clock? And two, will people who come to meet at six o'clock uh, rush out be- or want to rush out before our business is actually done? Because um, the reason why I raise that up is because we don't do it here, but excuse me one second. We do not do this here, but on the consumer advisory board that I sit on at the clinic, you know, our, our board is, that board is very informal. And what often happens is that it's, it's gotten in everybody's head at the, at the advisory board that uh, we sit in at exactly, um, at exactly 1.30. And there's still people that want to talk business, and including myself. And everybody's in a rush to get out. And it's not like they got anywhere else to go, but they want to get out. And I'm not saying that would happen here, but it, it, I find it very um, annoying, uh, to, to be honest with you. Uh, if you're in a, if you're in this kind of group. Uh, you, you, you talk and you do what you do until um, until whatever's whatever's brought up in that particular meeting is is completed, and then you leave. Not rush to get out <laughs> if you're actually here for the meeting. And so, so and I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not casting aspersions on anyone here. I'm just saying I express it elsewhere, and I, I I don't want people to feel like they are trapped. At the same time, give them a chance, the change of time, um, or at the same time, uh, that they feel that they got to stay longer at a, and leave at a later hour than they would if we were still meeting at 5.30. That's all I guess. I don't know if anyone here, other members, have reflections on that, but I'd love to hear what anyone else has to say. Well, I have a, a comment, and I don't have a problem with six o'clock or whatever time is best, whoever suggested six. I don't have a problem with that. But after two hours, the seats get rather hard, and my limit gets very short. And I have ADHD after that. So two, two hours is a long time for me. And I know Mark likes to um, talk a lot, and that's fine. I'm not knocking that. Okay. But um, is there a particular reason as to why we're changing it to six rather than five thirty? Does it have to do with traffic? So, uh, our last meeting, it was a discussed amongst us that if we extend or push back the time that we will be able to accommodate everyone to be able to attend the meeting because of the traffic. Um, And so that's just so that we're all here at the same time and so that we're no longer in a space where we're waiting for two or three people to be quorum so that we're all here at the same time. Okay, that's all. But if you suggest a different time, then you can go ahead and throw it. I don't have a problem with six o'clock. Proposal, 
Any other, any more discussion on the time change? Can I entertain a motion to approve a start time of 6 p.m.? I make a motion that uh, our meetings start at 6 o'clock in the future, starting with the month of May. Thank you. Ma'am, thank you. I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Richard Harvey Jr. Yes. Serena Clayton. Yes. B. Franks Walker. Yes. Tammy Rosell. Yes. Mark Smith. Yes. Derek Turner. Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. So moving forward, 6 p.m. So um, and everybody's welcome to come have dinner early, right? So we uh, always have meals for you here now that we're in person. Um, and so generally dinner is served 530 to 6 for you. And again, if you're coming at 6, you're always welcome to grab a plate too. But you're welcome to be here early and eat. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt the chair. Um, uh, question, um, as we pass this vote, uh, when will uh, the new time commence? Our next meeting? Next meeting. Okay, just want to qualify that first. Yep, next meeting. Any other questions? Okay, moving forward. Uh, report discussion finance report. Grace. Um, we're going to start actually with uh, Tangerine, who's going to be doing the uh, QIP portion of the report. If we put that memo up first. Okay. Tangerine, you're on mute. Hey, go ahead. Can everyone hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And please feel free as I'm going through this to stop and ask me any questions you might have. So as uh, you're aware, um, we have been longstanding participants in the Medi-Cal program with the state of California. Uh, that program includes various efforts to really focus on quality and improving quality for our Medi-Cal recipients, particularly those who are members of managed care systems. The quality incentive program is one of those uh, efforts and initiatives where the state is essentially incentivizing um, public hospital systems through what's called a pay for performance program. And so essentially a pay for, for performance program is what you might envision you need to meet uh, certain milestones. And if those milestones are met, then you receive funding for meeting those milestones. Um, the quality incentive program um, really is based on some changes that occurred in the federal level. Um, the state is, uh, has just started its sixth year of having this program. And the quality measures are in things that you know, you would want your providers to focus on, for example, making sure that people have their cancer screenings, making sure that uh, children and adults um, have their immunizations, making sure that there's appropriate uh, follow-up care uh, for the population. Um, Alameda Health System, uh, there are 40 different measures, some of which are required and some of which um, are elective. But combine those measures amount to $60 million for the organization. Uh, these dollars are 
actually in our base budget. And so um, because they're in our base budget, um, what happens is that if we fail to meet the performance target, uh, then we uh, fall short and we have essentially a deficit of funding uh, from that source. Um, you can see under the analysis that um, the way the program works is that the state is trying to make sure that all health, um, all providers and all public hospital systems, you know, really are performing at what they would consider to be national levels for a variety of metrics. And so the idea is that we might be um, at a performance level and that performance level might be perhaps below um, what the current national standard is. And so the idea is that we're closing the gap between um, our current performance and what that national performance is and that we're paid over time for closing that gap. And so that we're closer to the national um, uh, metric for our Medi-Cal uh, recipients. Um, as of uh, the end of October, um, we were at 98% of the target. Uh, and you can see that equates to meeting the measures in 35 out of 40. Um, but uh, because we are overperforming in some other metrics, um, we anticipate receiving the entire amount um, of funding uh, for calendar year 2022. And this is something that's important to note. Uh, funding for QIP is on a calendar year. And so what you see here are um, two high-level metrics that we think are um, helpful. The first is sort of the funding amount. Uh, you can see that $60 million there, and then you can see um, what that equates to uh, in terms of dollars, and that's uh, just over $53 million. And then that $53 million, um, for which we are expected, um, but we will actually receive the entire amount is actually reflected in that second uh, chart there. And that shows our performance on the various metrics. There are 20 priority metrics and then there are electives. And you can see while we fell a little short on our priority, we excelled and exceeded on our elective metrics. Um, the elective metrics are just as important as, important as the priority ones. And as a result of that, uh, we anticipate receiving the entire $60 million um, for calendar year 2022. So uh, that concludes my comments, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. This is for the entire AHS, so not just the homeless piece. Correct. It, it, is, it is for the Medi-Cal managed care population, the QIP program. I just wanted to, so when you right. said for right, right, the entire right. organization, I wanted to make sure we were clear about the population, but it relates to services both in the inpatient and outpatient settings. Did that help answer the question? Any other questions?
Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity. I think we'll be coming back. I believe it's either on a sim, is it a quarterly basis? I believe. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a nice evening, everyone. You too. Thank you. I believe I'm up next. Yes. Um, um, Heather, can I use my own presentation? Because I'm going to go a little off um, my slide. My talking points kind of jump around a bit. Uh, so if it doesn't... Um, if it's okay, can I show my own slide? It's the same thing. I'm just going to follow mine. Okay, great. Absolutely. Okay. Can everybody see my screen and the slide deck, uh, PowerPoint slide deck? Okay. Um, so I am presenting uh, the month of March um, entity financials. Um, so I am going to go first to see um, the FQHC entity financials for the month of March. So you all have seen this before, and so hopefully it looks familiar um, in terms of the, um, the structure and the, the cadence that we follow. Um, so for the month of March, um, we are seeing that our revenues are uh, close to $5.8 million dollars which is better than what we had budgeted around for this time, which is about 4.5. Uh, the main reason for um, uh, this favorable favorability in revenue is our collection percentage is better than what we had anticipated. So it's at 39.9 um, as opposed to 37.9. I'm going to uh, put this back in the context of the rest of the organization. So you'll notice that um, FQ is this column here. So um, it's the, the revenues that we just discussed. And then the overall um, contribution margin, um, uh, because of the operating expenses being higher than the revenue, our contribution margin is around $2.56 million, uh, but it's better than what we were expecting um, compared to budget, mainly because our collection percentage is better. You'll also notice that most of the other um, entities are sort of in similar boat in terms of um, a negative contribution margin, with the exception of Highland this month um, and San Leandro. So the net for the organization is 17.4 million. Um, and of course, this is all, you know, so far based on um, um, patient-based revenues and our, um, and our expenses. So supplemental revenues have not been accounted for, which is what we show now and on this slide. So after we put in the contribution margin based on the, the items that we just discussed, we're going to put in the system overhead expense allocation. So cost for people like me, um, which are system-based um, system um, resources and expense. Um, and then we also have um, measure A. And so measure A is put uh, by, um, sorry, it's allocated by entity. So you can see that we have an allocation for FQ. Um, but GPP and QIP, just, you know, ten, what Tangerine just presented, um, the methodology for allocation across entities has not been figured out yet. So we put it at the, um, at the bottom line and uh, for the entire organization at the bottom line. Um, so it's not accounted for um, at the entity level. So with that, the EBITDA at the end of the day that we're seeing is um, $2.6 million, which again is um, better than what we were expecting for the budget. Uh, you'll also notice as, you know, as the previous slides showed, 
Um, the other entities are also negative with the exception of Highland and San Leandro. Our EBITDA for the entire organization is positive 14.3, which is also better than um, what was expected in the budget. Um, a main, the, the main uh, driver being um, the financial performance in the Highland and the San Leandro campuses. Um, I'm going to, sorry, let's see. So the next um, item is just basically kind of giving you a next step. Um, we are planning on bringing the, so we, you know, we, we, main idea was to make sure that we were all sort of on the same page on discussing the entity financials, which we have been doing, that we will come back and report on, um, on a regular basis. And the only item that we're still working on and, and will be standing up is the monthly operating reviews, um, just like the other entities are doing uh, now that we have the CAO in place, that part will uh, stand up as well. Um, I'm sorry, I should have waited on each slide for your questions. I can go back to any of the slides if you like, if you have questions. Yeah, I have a question. Can you clarify the contribution margin and the budget contribution margin? Yeah, so let me see. Is this slide okay? I'm sorry, I can't see who's talking, but is this all right? Uh, preferably the FQHC. Yeah, and so uh, so basically the contribution margin is basically what, what I'm looking at is all my revenues that we are coming in, uh, that are coming in essentially to patient revenues, so patient-based, uh, patient-facing revenues as compared to what our expenses are. So this is all the cost of all the um, uh, staffing, uh, supplies, uh, contract, depreciation, etc. So it's just um, uh, the cost of um, cost of our clinics. etc. as compared to our revenues, um, um, our expenses are higher than our revenues, our patient revenues. So the contribution margin is 2.56 million. So my revenues are 5.8, but my expense is 8.4 million. Therefore, my contribution margin is 2.56 negative. So I'm looking at the uh, 18.984 and the 23.693. The difference of that is the, uh, the cost of what we're not using in the plan budget. Oh. So the difference between this column and this column is just the, the, the month that, sorry, the column that I was reporting on was the month of February. Year to date yes. is everything up to this month. So yes. eight months worth. Yes. So I'm, I'm basically asking the 4.7 million that, the, what, what happens to the 4.7 million gap um, in the year, the year to date? Is that something that's being allocated somewhere else or that's something that was just planned? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't see the 4.7 million, the, which, where? I get the math. So it's the 18 point, it's the difference between the 18.984 million to the 23.693 million. That's the bottom of the page um, for the contribution margin. Oh, 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 sorry. So, so this is, yeah, sorry, I wasn't following. This 23.693 is what we had expected when we had budgeted. 
when we were when we had set the original budget, we expected to have a um, a negative contribution margin of 2.9 million. So we're doing better than budget. We're negative 2.5 million. Um, year to date, we were expecting it to be 23.6, but we're doing better than budget. What we had anticipated, we're at negative 18.9 million. Sorry, I didn't see where you were looking at. Okay. And so my question is, um, are there any plans to allocate funds elsewhere? Um, the difference in between those two numbers, uh, is that money being used elsewhere? Um, so this gap is only referring to a goal that we had on how we thought we would do. We're doing better than what we thought we would do, but this is not in this is not a difference in allocation that I can cash in on. Um, it's just compare. You know, I thought it's it's not something that I can I can advocate. Even though we're in negative, so we're better negative.
but the plan is to take that 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 full amount and allocate it across um and that is something that Kim is working on and I think that the, again if it's okay and I think Lucy also has a question it's kind of like how this board then is able to govern this budget and this is why we're bringing it up and this is still early in our reviewing of these entity financials and it's early in our organization's use of these entity financials too but I know that at least for a cab cab members have expressed like how do we actually do something that we want to govern as a homeless health center with funds that are allocated essentially to the FQHC that are earned by the FQHC that are allocated to the FQHC where is then that decision making authority and ability to engage in that budgeting process took the words out of my mouth because that's going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, Richard. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, May I? Oh, sorry, Mark. Hi, Lucy. Oh. Yeah, Lucy had expressed that she wanted to oh. say something. So. Hi there. Sorry. Hi. And hello again. At first, I just want to say thank you for this presentation. And I know there's been much progress and movement towards this. Um, and again, I'm Lucy Kazdan, um, who is the director of the county's healthcare for the homeless program. And I just want to say that, I mean, we have, I have similar questions, concern as to those raised here. Um, just in terms of right, I mean, per HRSA, we're required to have, right, the, the board is required to have an annual budget that includes all projected revenue sources. And so I hear, so, you know, so just calling out as that relates to the to, to the 4.7 that folks are talking about there. And, you know, and for us, we really have to certify that you're compliant in terms of the, um, you know, the oversight of the governance. And it's unclear based on this how, which I think is building on what others here are saying, how the priorities of the cab are being reflected in how funding right in, in how funding is allocated. So the so the reference to the drop in as a priority for the cab that was um, said there. And so, you know, I would just say that for, from our side, we just, you know, we want to be supportive and want to also just like acknowledge, you know, at this point, we have concerns um, in, in, in terms of your ability to really be compliant based on this budget presented and really hope to be able to work with you all in a way to kind of move it forward in a way that really recognizes um, the authority of, of the camp.
four billion dollars below our, our mark? What are we doing to uh, increase? So what happened between the time that you set that goal, even though we came up above what was actually uh, the mark we actually wanted to make, we're still below. But so what happened in between that time? that we gained some ground or, or we've seen some increase because when uh, Tammy was talking about uh, some of the areas that we target, it's really hard to uh, get people to, homeless people to get, to get them to where we want them to be at, to understand their needs because they don't even know how to approach it most of the time. You know, and, and really understanding some of the, some of the mindset of, of uh, uh, drug addiction, homelessness, and you know, being down there on the front line, I kind of, I kind of have a little understanding. And seeing that, if we want to increase, uh, increase our goals, increase our income, increase our financial status, what we need to do is we need, just like any business, we need product and consumers. So. You know, what, what's happening? What, what's our target? What's our plan to uh, um, better these areas of, of, I wouldn't say better, but where we're coming in, coming up short. What's our plan? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it was stated that after everything is said and done, that whatever is left over will be allocated to the different departments. Is that based on need or it's just going to be allocated across the board equally? Um, no, usually um, that's the thing. That is the allocation methodology is complex, hasn't been figured out, which is the reason why it hasn't been, it's still being worked on and hasn't been finalized. So unfortunately I cannot give you an answer because it hasn't been figured out yet. And that's something that Kim is working on. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm restating or re-asking the same question. So like normally when you're on a board, you have like financial responsibility for the health of the organization. And so normally if I would come and I'd see, oh, by the first quarter, we were planning to be 33, $23 million in a deficit. I'd think, oh, that's concerning. But this situation seems to be like that was projected to be okay, which is, and should I multiply that by four? So it's a hundred million for the year, roughly. Right? So like the FQHC is going to be a hundred million dollars in the hole for the year, but that's okay because we're in this bigger umbrella of Alameda Health System that has agreed to subsidize, right? Essentially, the, the FQHC, and so does that mean that? <clears throat> Like, should we be asking that question? Like, what should, what, are, what should we do to get out of this $100 million deficit? Or is that not a concern? You can't really tell if this is functioning like a, a normal budget where you're supposed to try to be in the black or not. <laughs> healthcare, I'll just say this. With functioning in healthcare, it's the, the revenue in certain places predictable. A lot of the funding that we do get here is grant funding as well. The FQHC is a huge financial contributor to this. The way the money is allocated, when you look back at page, sorry, page 30, you can see from, this, from the budget financial statement sheet 
that the monies are looking across the entire enterprise, from all in the hospital, all the way to the system. So a lot of the funding was used to cover the entire system, and it shows a great breakdown of here. Along the lines of what Heather is asking is how do we take the money that we generated from FLIP, and how is that distributed? I think from hearing what Elvin was saying, if you look at the green box, put in the GPP, that money's just put over in the right corner of the grand total. Right. It hasn't been divvied up yet, but it's showing on the ledger that it's available. I think that's what Elvin was saying. Kim was supposed to just, but she's out. They were supposed to be working on the process of how we would distribute these funds across the enterprise and where would it go, who gets what funding, and how is it distributed and used. That's the proper way to make it. Yeah, I wasn't asking about the right. fight. I get that's okay. not. I was just trying to understand our role as a board in terms of these financials and essentially that question of yeah. like, should we be trying to improve them or is that not the right? Well, I mean, the FQHC financials, the FQHC doesn't support itself, so to speak. And is that a problem, or is that okay, because the health system has decided that other things like Highland and, you know, are going to contribute to the big, what you're calling the bottom line, right? And we don't have, is this not governed by, there's the Italianists, what we're supposed to do? Correct. I think you're hitting the nails exactly on the head. So as we as we look back at the you know kind of the history of the cab as an entity and its responsibilities, that until now we have not been functioning to govern the financials of the homeless health center. And here when we're looking at the FQHC specifically, this is greater than the homeless health center. So this FQHC entity is bigger than us also. It's, so this is one of the things that makes it complex. As we've been um, expressing to our organization that the CAB is unable to govern the financials of their homeless health center and they have an obligation to do so as set forth by Versa, as you so eloquently put, we've asked our organization to help us to do that by creating entity financials by creating things that we can look at and understand and, and delve into more specifically. It really means breaking up Alameda Health System as this big thing, narrowing into the part that, and having an ability to see into the part that you as a cab govern, and then to be able to govern it and, and, and ask these questions to say, well, so what are you going to do about it? I mean, we did hear some of Elizabeth saying like, listen, our contributions, um, our collection rate has increased. This is one of the things that's caused our contribution margin to be better than expected is we have improved collection systems over time. And, um, and it could be that as, as we develop the um, expertise of you as a cab, that we can ask those questions better and say, and then what? And then what? And what else? So we you know, just brought the Bridge Clinic on board to be a federally qualified health center and so now they're getting into rate establishment and it could be that you as a board are also saying okay have you looked at your rates you're supposed to as an fqhc be able to support yourself that is the bread and butter of fqhc's is that it's cost based so you're not covering your costs tell us more about that alameda health system why aren't you covering your costs because it's supposed to be cost based you should be getting a rate that is equivalent to covering costs. Why not? Do they need to be reset? 
is there work to be done there? So these are all opportunities. Again, as we get a little more savvy, we're right at the starting point, I think, of having both the ability to look, expertise on the board to ask those questions, and then also growth as an organization for our systems, some of which are based on, you know, moving over to Epic as well. Like there's been a lot of work done there. And then, um, you know, there's also the board of trustees that governs the whole system and they are asking these questions as well. And it's also what we're looking at, how do we partner better with the board of trustees so that together we can ask those questions. You both co-applicants, right? The board of trustees and the cab are responsible for the finances of this you specifically for a part of it, then for the whole organization. Well, how do we, and you, not me, I'm staff. How do you <laughs> hold us accountable as an organization to be fiscally responsible? Mm -hmm. Did I, I should, and Terrence is our CAO. I think I'm overstepping no, no, no. my role. Yes, I was trying to just explain this because it's, it's when we look at it, it's a system at the same time. And I think um, when we look at what the FQC brings it, it's a, it's a huge contributor to the profit margins. I think the way we've done this, the financials in the past hasn't been clearly distributed and looked at, at, at from a, a ledger. And I think that's what Kim is trying to develop the ledger so that when you see it, it tells the story. Right now, it's just a bucket, and all these are just buckets. We're just trying to get to that piece. Um, I've been here four weeks now in this role, and I've been going to a lot of meetings with Elizabeth. That's why I was able to kind of help you follow along with the story because I've seen this in so many different meetings. But I think there's more development that should happen with this. It's coming. Thank you for clarifying that. Is it hard to say Lucy? Yes, Elizabeth's the financial person. We'll tell you what's your name. It's Elizabeth, it's the financial person who's presenting. Is that who you're looking for, the presenter? Yeah, I was going to just ask her, I just wanted to ask her a question. Um, and you can correct me um, okay. if, yeah. I'm, if, I'm, if I'm off base. Okay, legal yeah, base. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> legal base. Um, I, I think you're aware of, uh, uh, there's been some discussion about um, about how uh, how how our organization does billing as opposed to now, and I was wondering if any decision in the future is made regarding a billing change. Obviously, um, the way the statement the way the statements are produced will be different. Hello. Are you reference? Yeah, are you referencing the entity-based financials as opposed to what we've done in the past? So we are you talking about collection methods, Mark? Oh, are you referring to like collection methods for billing, like how we would go about collecting bill money from? I believe that's it. I believe that's it. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, wasn't there a person last year, late fall, that came to us that was talking about? Um, APM. Oh. Advanced payment. Yeah, a separate billing. Yeah. A different type of billing service. And I was just wondering how that would affect um, how we look at the statements after, if that's adopted as opposed to now. Yeah, I don't think that was a good question. Or should I not ask that question? No, I don't think we move forward with that. I think that's still a lot of discussions happening looking at that. Also, but correctly, I don't think we've moved forward with that yet. Okay. But not completely, no. Yeah. We have, no, we have not adopted APM yet. 
established that yet. It's still being tested though, right? It's yes. still looking at it. Okay. And then unfortunately, Tangerine dropped off because she's um, a part of the, uh, there's a committee that um, is, is talking about APM still and doing some tests and we're, we do have them scheduled um, to come back to give us an update on what's going on because we did start that process several months ago, as you mentioned, yeah. um, when we were talking about APM and whether or not we were going to apply and put out a letter of intent. So we'll have an update for you okay. um, related to that. Thanks for bringing that up. And okay. it requires a lot of data, which we don't have yet to apply for it, which is why so I think we didn't move forward with that right away. Yeah. Thank you. So that's all for my presentation. So I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Thank you. All right. Uh, next up is the program report. All right. One moment. I am, um, you know, getting the screen back up for us. Thank you so much. So we do this program report each month, um, and there are occasionally a few things that change about it, uh, depending on what month it is. This is the month where we are reviewing um, also patient satisfaction. So we always leave um, a note for you around uh, health compliance and program requirements. We don't have any updates on those. Uh, we are monitored quarterly by Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program. And for example, if we had a recent monitoring visit or if they had some findings from their visit, that um, number one is where we would put those. So I always leave that on there to remind us and also to let you know very clearly if there are no updates so that you know that we're not holding anything behind either, right? So the next thing you see is our um, is our patient satisfaction. So this is our rolling 12 months patient satisfaction. Um, and I apologize, I know it's very tiny on your screen. Um, and it is divided up by color by the different wellness centers. Okay, so I'm just going to call out your, your teal line because it's one of the easiest ones to see right now. For example, that one's East Month. And what do you notice about the teal line for East Month? It, what happened to the dotted line? I said it went above. It went above the dotted line. Go East Month. All right, so that dotted line is showing our goal. And then that teal line is showing where we are compared to that goal. And you see that they had a moment when they jumped up above that dotted line. But you also notice just in general, they've over the past 12 months really come closer to that dotted line and they're showing an increase in their recommend to the practice. So we pick key questions that we report out on and recommend the practice is one of them. So that's why we're highlighting this here. Um, I guess I'll just call out Newark as well because it's easy to see. It's the um, the faint purple line. Have you noticed what happened? What, what case number are you on? 40. 40 out of 46. Okay, 40. Thank you. It got it went let down went down right so we expect something also may have happened there and but then you also see that it's recovering and and it's it's standing out from the pack right so 
there are some things to notice. And the rest are kind of all right next to each other. It's kind of hard to, to, to pick them apart, um, that they're, you know, they're all hovering around the same zone. We're going to look at that in another way. So if you go to the next one, you'll see a bar chart. It's a lot more clear. And this is for calendar year overall. So not month by month, but if we were to shove it all together and get your averages, where what you know where are we at? So you'll see our gold line is 84.9. And you'll see that Eastmont Wellness Center overall, because remember it lifted up, but it had a line, it was in other places as well. Um, overall, they're at 84.4, so just right below that line. And you see where the others, and suddenly when you're looking here, maybe they don't seem so different from each other after all. Um, with Eastmont really standing out, and then everybody else somewhere between 74.8 and 82.6. Um, I'm just going to call out to Marina Wellness Center, which is part of the ambulatory, but is not part of the homeless health center scope and not an, a federally qualified health center. It's a specialty center um, in Alameda. And so it's here because it's part of the ambulatory. Just to call out that it's not part of the scope. So this is not just the homeless patient. Correct. This is not, this is all patients. So we did a deep dive into our data around um, our patient experience numbers and through several checks that so we did some things around looking only at um, specific demographics and age ranges. What we don't have is an ability to drill down and say only homeless patients give us what they think. We could not do that. So we tried some other things. We looked at well, what is our population of people experiencing homelessness look like in Alameda County. Um, they're typically of a certain age, mostly, and they're uh, more predominantly African-American, um, things like that. So then we drill down and say, well, if we were saying only patients who are African-American, um, what, what did they say? We did not see a significant difference in the data or in the outcomes if we pulled out those subpopulations and felt that the experience of people experiencing homelessness is similar to the experience of the rest of our patients at Alameda Health System, which is typically below our goal. All right, good question, good question. Um, next, we have the number of patients uh, that we see, and this is by department. Again, this is over a 12-month period. We're always doing the most recent 12 months and so in the past 12 months we've seen 3,500 patients so it's pretty consistent with what was reported uh, for our UDS report annual numbers the way we get these numbers is through something called our homeless registry so patients we talked a little bit about how patients are screened at the beginning of their visit for homelessness but they could also be diagnosed as people experiencing homelessness or there's a form somebody gets filled out there are a lot of different ways that as a patient is interacting with our system where someone might identify that that patient is experiencing homelessness. And regardless of which way they've been identified, if they've been identified by one of those ways, they'll fall into our registry. Then they stay in the registry for one year. If we don't see them again, and they're not identified again as homeless, then they're gonna fall out one year later. All right. So, so if they have another qualifying event that also identifies them as homeless, then they'll stay for another 365 days in the registry. And this is per person definitions, where a patient who's identified as someone experiencing homelessness maintains that status for a full year within their reporting system. 
So it doesn't mean that the person is still experiencing homelessness in that moment, but because they did within that year that they're at higher risk and we want to know what their outcomes are and we want to know what's going on with them for a whole year. So that's why we keep them in. Um, so here you can see uh, how many patients unduplicated went to Highland Primary Care, went to Highland Specialty. You'll see that significantly greater number are hitting the specialty care clinic as compared to the Highland Primary Care. This is because we'll often see patients that do not get their primary care here at Alameda Health System. They might get it from one of our CHCM clinics, so our community health center network clinics, but come here for specialty. Or the patient isn't necessarily a Highland patient that's getting their care, but an Eastmont patient for a specialty that isn't existing at Eastmont could end up here at Highland Specialty. There are a lot more specialties here at Highland than there are at our other wellness sites. Um, you'll see our urgent care numbers, our dental and oral surgery, our substance um, disorder clinic, Eastmont, our mobile van, Hayward, and Newark. That's just the number of patients that we see in a year at each of those sites. On the next slide, you'll see what that looks like over time in those same categories over that 12 months and how they're rolling into our clinic over time. <clears throat> the following one is more about how often do they come to visit us. How, and, and now we're, we're talking about the categories of visits that they're coming for. So we're not calling out how often do they come to Highland Primary Care, but just how often are they coming for primary care, for visits to primary care, whether that be Eastmont, Highland, Hayward, or Newark. Um, they came 6,457 times for primary care, those 3,000 patients. That's how often they came for that service. And for specialty, et cetera, as you look down our chart below. Um, and again, we call out our mobile clinic, which is primarily funded through the subrecipient agreement. So that's how often. And then we see also how often on the next slide over each individual month. And are we looking? We're looking sometimes for trends every time where we're seeing more people or fewer people um, over time. So while we don't want to do it permanently, 
Um, it does give us a lot of insight each time we get to cover at one of these other places to see especially how patients experiencing homelessness are being served within that specific place. So when we have the opportunity and are asked to serve, we always say yes because it, it really does ultimately strengthen the homeless health center. And I'm going to say especially at dental where I am right now because I work so much on dental. <laughs> temporary. Remember the temporary work. I can't do it forever. But I've learned a lot in dental, and, and actually this time in dental, we're able then to strengthen how do we serve patients experiencing homelessness in dental, and by understanding that clinic better than as a practice manager of the homeless health center, I'm better able to collaborate with that department and help to make these connections. So this is why we say yes temporarily and not forever, because then we also burn out. So. Um, I think I've mentioned a few times what my ending date for the um, dental clinic is, and I know that last month it had a different date than this month, you might notice. Last month my date said April 7th, and now my date says May 23rd. Um, the dental practice manager position has been posted, so the applications are starting to come in, and we're hoping that that is going to get hired. Um, the May 23rd is because I go on vacation on May 24th, and I'm just hoping that when I leave for that vacation, I will officially be able to just go visit them when I return. So that's the plan, and we're working towards it. Um, and so that's what I have to say about that. I'm, I have to go on the announcement of Terrence in his fourth, in his fourth week. Um, so listed there is our. So we'll, we'll put other announcements when, for example, we. The newer, uh, newer, newer medical director is hired. That would be announced in this section as well to let you know leadership within ambulatory, what's going on, what also going to this section. Any questions? You know, if we could, I want to go back because I was thinking about your question about the funding and what else are we doing with the funding? Um, uh, not so much what are we doing with the funding, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. What are, what are we doing in order to um, to secure? So what do we have enough time? In? What are, what are, I mean, how close how close can we get to our mark? Yeah. So consistent, you know, consistent growth. Still, we got some dramatic growth. We got like some areas that are really strong. Progress that should be the overall. But if we can consistently meet the mark, we're gonna get. But we're gonna get bust, and then we. I mean, that shows that that we're we're in this to win this, not just to just exist. Yeah. You so know? there was, I, and I don't know if Elizabeth didn't speak up, but there was a piece in the slides where she talked about the more meetings. Looking at those monthly operating report meetings to look at how we're doing spending, how we're generating revenue, and how we're beca becoming more efficient. That happens on a month-to-month -month basis. All the CEOs have been reading this. Um, they've been using this as a way to, to manage quality, improve revenue, look at access. Um, and it's, it has been a great process in doing so. We've been seeing a lot of returns. For example, San Leandro's been doing it, and they've been able to turn around their length of stay where they're getting patients out a lot faster, which has been around turnaround revenue. So I don't think we've implemented anything like this here. This has been going on for quite some time on the inpatient side. I was talking with the executive team about looking at May as an opportunity for ambulatory to start a process similar to this. So that's one way we kind of look at it. And then the second part of your question was asking, like, how we're using some of the funding that we have generated to help others. The organization right now is looking at Cardia, which we may 
have it maybe be an opportunity to bring them in for a presentation. They have um, this company that we contract with that is looking at homelessness itself and patients experiencing, experiencing homelessness. So a lot of the patients who are admitted on the inpatient side, sometimes it's hard for them to find a place to go because they're too sick and they can't go on the street. This new company that we're consulting with finds them a place, puts them inside of a bed for like 30 days, and gets them to visits and places and treatment and medications and food and meals and everything else they need to give them time to recuperate and help them with the skill set they may need. They may need to be in a bed where they can use the passive range of motion machine on their leg. So it does that for them, give them a dry, warm place with nails. For patients who come into the clinic, it's looking at about seven days if someone needs help after they've been seen in one of the clinics. We just started investing in this. They're going to hold us about 20 beds easily just for programs like this. So we're looking at alternative measures than keeping patients in the hospital, which is very expensive versus trying to transition them back to something similar to a home model and help them connect to the resources as much as possible. So that's some of the stuff that we just started looking at and investing in. Um, I think that goes live this month. They've been targeting patients and the inpatient now to see who can they look at to get toward the discharge process and make that happen. So that may be a, um, a presentation we can look at here if you guys want to hear more about the cardio program and how that looks. Do we have any involvement with uh, Governor Newsom who says that he's going to implement uh, 1,200 beds, 1,200 tiny homes, and now uh, it's going to be like a, a format. Do we have any? I don't know what we are with that. Yeah, and I don't know where, where Alameda Health System is with that. That would usually come from like the James Jackson executive level, and they would come up with a strategy and figure out what we would do. I know other organizations like Kaiser has invested in helping support the tiny home and they even donated money. I don't know where our position is with that yet. So I just wanted to give you that because I wanted you to know that they have been taking a lot of the funding, even though it's put away in this category to the right, they are investing it in other like programs that help people who experience homeless across the whole enterprise. So it's not just for ambulatory, but as a system-wide approach. But that's why I think when we look at the, the, the spreadsheet, it'll show more about that kind of funding and how it's distributed there. Yeah, it's definitely more, it's very important that that's clarified. So. Any, any more questions? Any public comment? I don't comment. I don't know if anyone here will actually agree with me on this one. for me, but I do think it would be worth having Cardea come and share uh, that program. Thank you, Lucy. Okay. Them well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Mark. Now it's your time. Okay. Okay. Because now we are seeing each other in person, um, and, I, and we don't have to talk about it right now. Uh, we can put, put it on the agenda later. But I just want to bring up the idea of the possibility that if it's possible and we can all kind of get on the same schedule, perhaps 
we might think about actually having a um, day retreat outside of somewhere mm-hmm. on a nice day. Actually have a, uh, but it doesn't have to be, I, I guess it doesn't have to be daytime per se. We can do it inside at night, but at another location. Or, or we can, we can do something, I don't know, on a holiday weekday? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not certain. But I was thinking, you know, some, getting outside somewhere and, and having a meeting, maybe outside. Mm-hmm. Or, or a retreat of some kind. I think the main concern would be the Brown Act. If all the board, you had a quorum gathered and you end up talking about things which are within the CAP's jurisdiction and you have yourself a public meeting. Okay. I think we'd have to allow the public to come and, you know, make sure we had a call-in number for them. So it gets a little complicated, but maybe something we could explore. I don't know if everyone here has had a chance to make like a mobile health ban, um, different things like that. So if we have smaller groups of people, so maybe like two, four members going and saying that at a time, three, just anything short of, we have eight members now. So forums five, anything less than that, we probably do. Okay. That would be something that kind of accomplishes that outside of this conference room setting, you know, and then getting that FaceTime, you know, experience, or I guess, oh, right. of what, you know, the homeless health center is and the patients that we serve. I got to go see the local health fan, and it was really neat to see that. Thank you, Mark. I think that's a good one. It was just an idea. Yeah. I just want to say thank you guys for allowing me to be your chair for today. Loretta will be back next meeting, and it's been a pleasure serving the public and serving you guys, as a fellow corporate advocate board members, and, um, yeah, so I'm going to adjourn. Is there anything left to say or anyone have anything else to say? But uh, you might have said so, but uh, when, um, I never heard why Dana's missing, and when will we see him again? Spring break. Uh, Just spring break. Oh, 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 spring break. Okay, we'll see him next month. Yes. Uh, oh, next month. Um, now six. Um, the second Tuesday at 6. At 6. You will get a phone call from Brenda to remind you. Yes. And an email. Brenda? Yes, please. Can you get her one of these? I think the motion. <laughs> <laughs> we are adjourning the meeting today. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Thank you.